0: That's five wins in a row for your Detroit Tigers, baby. Let's talk about it today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. what is up everybody welcome back to another edition of locked on tigers i'm of course your host scott benley today is friday july 8th 2022 thanks for making locked on tigers your first listen every single day we are free and available wherever you get your podcast today's episode is brought to you by sports card investor you are going to love sports card investor uh it is trading cards reimagined it's so cool stay tuned for later in the show for more information on this awesome new tool app for collectors you're going to want to check out the sports card investor app the detroit tigers have won five games in a row and that makes me happy you know that just that puts a smile on my face and and i know there's still plenty of people out there that, oh, it's all for nothing. Oh, who cares? Whatever. The season's lost. Uh, seasons, you know, over, whatever. They're not going to get back into it. That that might all be true for all we know, right? That might all be true. Um, but I am never going to not root for this team. It's just not going to happen. It is in my DNA at this point. And... So when they win, I'm a happy camper. And we've got almost, almost a whole week of only recapping wins. Almost. I think Monday's show, right, is recapping Sunday's game. So um, Sunday's or Monday's episode this week would have been recapping the, the loss to Kansas City. But almost an entire week's worth of shows of just wins. We'll gladly take it, baby. We'll gladly take it. A two-to-one victory over the Chicago White Sox. Um, five-game winning streak, I believe, is tied for the longest in baseball with the Baltimore Orioles, I think. The Orioles either have also five or they have six. Um, so, us and the O's going go streaking a little bit. I think that threw some people off probably. But, um, look. The offense was not fantastic in this one. And Dylan Cease has a long history of owning the Detroit Tigers. And today was really no different. Six innings, three hits, one run, three walks, but eight strikeouts. Um, We had single digit base runners in this game. We had four walk, drew four walks and had five hits. That is nine base runners, two runs on nine base runners. Um, we scored, We you know, scored two runs. <laughs> Should have shut them out. We only had the one extra base hit the entire game. That extra base hit was obviously Javi Baez's home run. It was looking like uh, for a while there that it could have been a one nothing final. But uh, both teams then scored in the ninth inning. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the, the Gregory Soto. We'll get to the whole bullpen there. Um, but starting with the offense, I, I mean, there's – Dylan Cease is good, okay? Dylan Cease is a good pitcher. And he, like I said, he has a long history of kind of dominating your franchise and uh, the Detroit Tigers franchise. And, and he had 16 whiffs in six innings. CSW percentage of 32%, called strikes whiffs, 32%. Almost one out of every three pitches was either a called strike or a swinging strike. That is unbelievably impressive. Um, Average exit velocity for him was 90 miles an hour. There, there was, there was a lot of uncompetitive at bats in this game. There's a lot. And and I know it, it might sound a little weird for me now for like the second or third game in a row to be harsh on this offense but I, the same problems persist. There is still a, an undeniable lack of extra base hits. And I know that some people are heating up and, and, and are hitting better than they were. And that's awesome. We need all the help we can get, even if it is just singles. But even with players heating up, there is still, again, an, an undeniable objective fact that this team has a massive problem hitting extra base hits. So we have won five in a row, and that's absolutely awesome. And I am going to be a happy camper heading into the weekend, and, and hopefully this puts us in a position to take another series. And th- this is, is, is was a great day, a great, great day. But it, we're not winning games because we the offense turned it around to – the entire team offense turned it around to a point where we're hitting the ball really far. That that still is very much an issue, and that remained an issue tonight, and really the entire team just strove to get hits. Period, off of Cease in this one, um, but I, I I mean yeah, that, that's pretty much all, all I wanted to to air about the offense is like there is still this problem, th- this blatant elephant in the room that still remains, and and I don't want the winning streak to give people the misconception that like, oh, like the offense just like figured it out and, and we're all hitting the ball really hard again. Like we scored two runs in this one and, and it could have been a one-nothing game there until the end. And, and Spencer Torkelson, really, really solid at bat, um pinch hitting. Those are the kind of at bats that he really needs. Those are the kind of plate appearances that raise confidence. And uh it, it was hard hit to the right, to the left side rather, but it wasn't on the ground. He lifted it a little enough. It was actually... Torkelson's pinch hit RBI single was actually the hardest hit ball of the game for either team. 107, sorry, 108.7 miles an hour off the bat. Um, Riley green smoked the ball too for 108 miles an hour, even though he went over only one strikeout though. And, and had a couple of, of fly balls that were hit pretty nicely. His timing's still just like uh hair late on some pitches and he's got a long swing. And and a beautiful swing, but it's 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 long and it stays in the zone for a long time. So those fastballs up and in, it's just going to take a little bit of, of adjustment timing-wise to be able to catch up to those. But he will absolutely do it because he's done it at every level. And he is still an unbelievable talent that has been phenomenal since getting called up. Um, who else? Javi Baez. The The home run was really impressive. Um, red curveball out of the hand. Or er, was... was I totally just forgot the word. He was uh expecting fastball and then saw curveball and made a mid-air adjustment. You could tell he he was he was thinking heater and he got off on his front foot and then hesitated just a little bit to wait for the curveball to come in and then gave it a little home run hack and and still cranked the ball to left field. So really really impressive. That means he's seeing the ball pretty decently. Um, did have still a strikeout in this one, but, uh, I, I've, he, he, he's, I've been more and more impressed with his at-bats lately. His OPS is up to 622 now. Uh, the slugging percentage is at 370. That's obviously got to be a lot higher. Um, but I mean, and the batting average now base percentage, everything has to be a little higher, but we're starting to see him very much trend in the right direction over the last three weeks. So that's great news. Um, um, I'll swallow offensively. Eric Ha stays hot. I mean, got a got a pinch hit. A lot of pinch hitting later in the game. Pinch hit. Uh, RBI single. Um, Jonathan Scope with another knock. He stays looking pretty solid. Jamer Candelario. Um, we don't have to go into like a deep dive because I said this earlier in this week, but he really does not look like last year Jamer Candelario at the plate. And I am very much starting to wonder, A, how much time he has left before uh he starts getting a lot less playing time I guess I'll put it that way for now uh and it also every day now I'm just thinking about what are we going to do with him in the offseason and he's still got control left which makes it really tricky but it's like he has looked borderline lost in the batter's box this season so that's a guy to keep an eye on um torque we already talked about barnhart with another walk that's good he's gotten on base a few games in a row uh he had a catastrophic start to the season at the plate as well so starting to see him slowly but surely pick it up a little bit um it's it's starting to turn and and like a lot of you have pointed out that this this offense is is starting to head into the right direction there's still a massive problem when it comes to power and driving the ball but we're starting to at least get on base a little bit more and put a string of hits together, and which is something that for a while we didn't even have. But this was certainly not an offensive masterclass, this was a pitching masterclass. And we will get into Bo Brisky and, and how great uh, almost everybody that took the mound in this game was. Uh, but first, I got to tell y'all again about our sports card investor app, it is awesome whether you're a casual card collector or you're looking for an exciting alternative investment opportunity sport the sports card investor app has something for you it's super cool it's 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 basically an app that helps you track the the value of trading cards helps you track um the like trends of cars the price trends the popularity trends whatever it it tracks all of it all in a very simple app it is a a sports trading card investors dream like that is it is so cool and so definitely go check it out it's something that uh now that's on my radar obviously is is something that i use and i love trading cards and i love flipping cards and and buying cards for my my collection and everything like i'm a i'm a sports card like nut and this app is is a a godsend basically in that regard so um, they I mean, they have, you know, if prospects are debuting, if you're looking at baseball, like they have the, again, the trends and like how much they're trending up or down. And um, it's very, very cool to see them keep track of everything like that and, and get kind of a, a quick lowdown on uh, a, a card's value that quickly. Super, super cool. So uh, if you're getting, if you're interested in getting into sports cards, you can find great deals on your favorite players. If you're just looking for cards that you want to have, uh, you can see when they're at their cheapest so you know when to purchase it if you're if you're someone that does buy and sell and flip this is the perfect app for you it really is it no matter what kind of uh what, what no matter what you do with your sports cards no matter what you do with your trading cards uh they they accommodate all of it and it's a very helpful tool for every type of fan so personal card just it's it's very cool it's a very very cool app so download the Card Investor app today. It's available for free on the Google Play and Apple stores or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. All right, everybody. We are back here for our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Did I just say our third and final segment? This is our second segment of Locked On Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. I don't know. I've been like really wanting to do that lately. Just like say that every second, every segment is the third and final segment. And now I'm saying second instead of segment. This has really just been a struggle. Um, but this was, as we talked about before the break, there, there was definitely a, a very impressive performance in this game, even though it didn't necessarily come by anyone on the offensive side of the ball. And that is Bo Brisky. And Bo Brisky would end this game going six and a third, two hits, no runs, one walk, four strikeouts. ZRA in the year is now down to four one six. Um, Look, man, he, he was phenomenal. And he was phenomenal for a plethora of reasons. The biggest was his ability to miss barrels. We talk about it all the time, the different types of pitches. He had nine whiffs which in six and a third is not spectacular, but it's not a ridiculously low number either that I'd say that's about average, maybe slightly below average, even, you know, in that range uh, for a six and a third performance for 93 pitches. I will say, I also love the decision to send him out there for seven. I love the decision to pull him at the first sign of, of danger, I guess. I don't know where I was going with that. That the, the second he gave up a base runner, I'm glad that that is, um, that is when he was pulled. Just all around, I thought it was really well managed, and he, and he was obviously fantastic. Why was he fantastic? Missed barrels. Average exit velocity was only 84 miles an hour in this game. And what's the best way to miss barrels? Make sure that people aren't squaring up your fastball. That is the easiest way to miss a barrel. as a pitcher that that is the way right don't throw whether it's a pitch mix thing whether it's a location thing whether it's just not throwing it thing the easiest way to not hit a barrel is to not throw your straightest pitch which is a four seam fastball and in this game he threw 22 four seam fastballs and one was put in play that one that was put in play was cranked for 107 miles an hour off the bat, uh, but didn't end up doing any damage. And it was the only four-seam fastball that was put in play. That is a master class. And the reason that he was so successful with that, because he did get two whiffs on it and four called strikes on it, right? That's a 27 CSW percentage for called strike plus whiffs. Um, so that is, you know, a, a little over one out of every four. Fastballs that he threw were, were some sort of recorded strike. He also had six foul balls on top of that as well. So he, he was getting it f- thrown for a strike as well. It wasn't like it was only put in play once, and that was because he didn't throw the ball for a strike. He was pounding the zone with it. It was just a masterclass pitch mix performance. Listen to this, okay? 93 pitches. He threw one curveball, so we can just kind of whatever. He threw, one, he threw the pitch one time. Uh, it was a called strike. It was a pretty pretty nice pitch there, Knee Buckler. Um, but he only threw it one time the entire game. The rest, okay, twenty sinkers, twenty one change ups, twenty two four seam fastballs, and twenty nine sliders. That is beautiful. That makes me drool at, at on site. That that is absolutely fantastic. And his CSW for the entire game was only twenty three percent, which is not a, a overly fantastic number by any stretch but he was able to pitch mix his way into everyone being just off enough on timing and just enough on their front foot and and just off balance enough that's what I'm trying to say to miss almost every barrel 84 mile an hour average exit velocity the average exit velocity on the slider was 84.8 The average exit velocity on the changeup was 85.3. And the average exit velocity on the sinker was 77. And those all got put in play five or six times. Just a masterclass performance of missing barrels. Only had two hits the entire night. A lot of soft contact. A lot of routine plays. A lot of balls put in play. But a lot of of routine, low-stress baseball And a lot of low stress on the defense as well. A couple of good plays, right? Like Candelaria had a nice play in this one. Um, A a couple of nice plays in the outfield as well. But really just a a phenomenal pitch mix performance. And and four different pitches thrown over 20 times. And none of them were thrown 30 times. That's beautiful. So you have that going for you. I also think the tunneling of – he's always been pretty good about tunneling the four seam in the slider. But if you tunnel the four-seam of the slider, you would think that that would get more whiffs. I think this one was the tunneling of the four-seam and the sinker. I think that's what was one of the biggest things that – reasons why he was able to miss barrels was because the, the the tunneling, for those who don't know, quick like for dummies version of tunneling, is when the ball goes out of your hand, it all – imagine a tunnel, Right? Imagine a tunnel going from where the ball leaves the pitcher's hand all the way to home plate. And if you are able to put every single pitch through that tunnel at the start, and then whatever the pitch does, if it's a slider, it breaks, obviously it's a fastball. It goes straight still. If it's a sinker, you know, maybe it has inward cutting action, whatever, but for the first, whatever 20, 30, 40 feet, sometimes to home plate, It all goes in under the same exact tunnel. That is a very common strategy for, for getting swings and misses and and keeping hitters fooled because it all looks like the same pitch until, you know, halfway to home plate or whatever. So the goal is to try to make every pitch go into the same tunnel out of your hand. And then whatever it's going to do after that, it's going to do after that, depending on what type of pitch it is. So um, I think that he, tunnel the four seam and the sinker really well. Like the breaking stuff is is obvious. That's pretty common stuff to tunnel with your four seam fastball, but tunneling two different types of and variations of fastball basically is is not 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 to say it's not common practice, but it's not exactly um talked about as much as as tunneling breaking stuff and 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 heat. And I I think that that was a really big key to keeping hitters uh, off balance because the sinker has just enough movement down and in a little bit, or at least glove side, uh, to miss a barrel. And that's like the what sinkers, that by design, that is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to look like fastballs. And then right when you start swinging, you, sinker is not a swing and a miss pitch. It's a barrel-missing pitch. And so right when you start swinging, then it moves down the barrel. You get it off the end of the bat or on the inside of the bat, depending on if you're a righty or a lefty. And it's a, it's a guaranteed ground ball tunneling that with a four seamer that is actually a straight pitch is beautiful because then nobody knows what it is. And then you can even trick people into thinking your slider is your fastball even more than the pitch already does by just its nature. So I really thought that this was a, a masterclass. And I know it's not like the, the sexiest stat line ever with, you know, four K's and a walk and and whatever, but um I, I thought that that he did phenomenal. I, I really do. I, I thought that it was a, a very, very good performance. So I'm really, really happy for Bo. Uh, like I said, he, he's taking steps now to get that ERA back under four. It's four one six as it stands currently after this one. Uh, I'm really, really excited to watch him pitch again. And that is – there's a couple of starts there where he didn't look as good. But going back to like the middle of June, he, he's had several – starts where he has given up no runs or one run and uh some of them have been some pretty darn good lineups so and this one for as much as the white Sox have struggled this year there is objectively a lot of talent in in this lineup so very very impressed by bo Brisky in this one let's get into the bullpen because that was where all the drama was but first i gotta tell y'all about bill Barr. From the people who invented the healthy and tasty bars comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built Bar have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. Treatment, get it? (laughs) That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar is your, it's, first off, the bar is fantastic, okay? That's just, let's just get that out of the way. The bar itself is amazing it in puff form is amazing -er, right. Like the puffs is, is their marshmallow like bars that they have. And having this bar that was already great as an actual protein bar. Now in like the marshmallow puff form, it is unbelievable. And, and the craziest part is just like everything else they sell. It's also good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein. It's all delicious. Coconut brownie, chunk puffs are only here for a limited time so go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out and they're going fast because they taste amazing they're filled with protein that's good for your body it absorbs it more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits so eat something that tastes good and is good for you and the best part of built puffs is of course they taste amazing but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you they're the perfect treat perfect for when you've got a craving you need to satisfy your sweet tooth or if you just need a quick healthy snack they're an excellent source of protein they're just great all around they check all the boxes delicious coconut rich sweet brownie creamy marshmallow stop fantasizing get to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now go to built.com use promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off of your order that's promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com All right, everybody, we are back here for our third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. This one actually is the third and final segment. Okay, let's get to the bullpen. We'll get to the easy people first, I guess. Uh, Just knock those out of the way because we had some really good bullpen performances that I don't want to go overlooked just because of the drama that was the end of this game. But Alex Lang was alex lang he was absolutely nasty the thing i loved about Lang in this one is he threw the curveball more than any other pitch he only threw six pitches four of them were the curveball and three of those four curveballs were either whiffed on or called strikes so awesome outing i i like it's obviously a nasty pitch but usually he sinker first just because it's it's fast pitch that can top out at 97 and has redonkulous movement so it, it it makes sense to just throw the sinker as your kind of setup pitch and then do whatever you want with your breaking stuff after that i love the fact that he just went in there and just threw curveballs pretty much the entire inning and until he got out of it it was fun to see so really impressed with Lang in this one also notice alex lang first out of the pen i'm telling you i i think that that is such a vital role That nobody really like cares about or talks about because everybody pays attention to who gets the back end, who's earned the eighth inning, who's earned the ninth inning, who's who's earned the highest leverage situations. I think first out of the pen is so valuable to just immediately go to someone, shut them down, and bridge that from your starter to your your back end that you're confident in and alex lang has been phenomenal lately at that first out of the pen roll uh andrew chafin another phenomenal outing from andrew chafin um yeah he was really good he was really good he had four whiffs in an inning that's that's fantastic right bo brisky had nine in his entire outing uh so four in an inning for uh for chafin that was more than than uh than laying two and two-thirds of an inning um he did not record a strikeout even though he did have those four whiffs um but really really good i mean there's not too much to say chafin just kind of shows up does his job and goes home and like i think he likes it that way his era is now down two four five that's fantastic getting lower and lower like two weeks not even i think like 10 days ago It was at like 3-3 or 3-4, so that's several outings in a row where where he's looked really, really solid. Um, This bullpen is good, and it's really sad that for the first two months of the season, it kind of got wasted on a team that could not score and could not have a lead to even go to your good bullpen on. Um, But this bullpen is actually really damn good, and that's super exciting. Um, So, yeah, mostly featured the sinker for Chafin. Uh, it's been always been his best pitch continues to be and uh, he, he's not much of or as much of a swing and miss guy as like an Alex Lang is and that's why he is sinker first um, and it worked out for him and it worked out for him again. His slider is also nasty. The Andrew Chaffin slider is, is very nasty. That is a swing and miss pitch. <laughs> Do not get it twisted. So really really solid performance again now sub two five ERA really nice. Okay, let's get it over with. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. I've stalled enough. Gregory Soto in this one does hold on. It does get the save. Uh, The Tigers do get the win, but not without Gregory Soto's flair for the dramatic um, one inning, two hits, one run, one walk, one strikeout. Um, Look, I... (laughs) I was glad that we got that insurance run uh to say the least. And here's the thing, like there is that was the the heart of the White Sox lineup that he had he had to face and they took advantage of a guy that struggled to find the strike zone. And, and here's the thing with Greg is it almost seems like he'll, he'll be cruising and then like one thing will happen and then it will just go off the rails. And I, I thought that he looked solid until he gave up the single and then he gave up one single and he completely imploded. And then he couldn't find the strike zone. And then he was all over the place. And the command completely went out the window. And, and, and you know, it hit the fan. And that is a reoccurring thing. We even saw it uh, earlier in the season. He was cruising. And then there was a really bad strike call, right? Like a ball right down the middle that was called a ball. And then everybody was like, what the heck? And everybody got all pissed about it. And then from then on out, it, it was just no command, and, and it was an implosion. And, and I think that that is a reoccurring theme, and that's something that he has to work on, especially if he wants to be a closer for a playoff team. And, and he did get the job done, and that's the most frustrating part almost, is that he continues to actually close the door at a pretty high clip. Like, he actually doesn't blow Two like uh, enough saves where it's unbelievably alarming, and like you have to like if you were just looking optically and you ignored balls, (laughs) ignored balls, ignored base on balls. Like if you weren't given like his whip and, and you weren't given the strikeout to walk ratio, and you just looked at ERA and save percentage, you'd be like, all right, this dude has. Well, now his ERA is up to 2-7, I believe, after giving up the run in this one. But, it, you know, it was a low-2 ERA. Um, and ha- has only blown, you know, a few saves, a couple saves all year going into the All-Star break. Like, that's not that bad. And then you watch him, and then you look again at how many people he walks and how high his whip is, and you're like... At some point, something's got to give. It almost feels like, you know, that that's, that's where I'm at with Gregory Soto. At some point, something's got to give. Either he has to take that next step, which is very possible. He has to take that next step, and he just figures out the command and, and doesn't get rattled as easily and really just turns into a dominant reliever that he has easily has the potential to be and has the the raw talent and and has the makeup to be that is one possibility or or this like one and a half whip as a closer has to catch up with him and he has to just go on a tear uh, a negative tear (laughs) where he just blows a a, a ton of saves whatever in a row or for the remainder of the season or whatever i just i i it's so weird looking at the numbers and watching him, and and then realizing that like he still gets it done at like a pretty high clip when it comes to success at the end of the game. Like it's just, it's it's so kind of baffling. And I and I'm just at this spot with him right now where like something has to give. One of the two has to happen. He just has to it fi- his luck finally has to run out, and and he just has to be you know, like we're not winning games that we have leads in him at all anymore, or he has to take the next step and and become truly dominant. And I'm not sure I know which direction it's headed. Um, Obviously, we would like it to be just true domination as a reliever, but this keeps happening and it's so stressful and it has cost us games. I'm not, I'm not sitting here and telling you that um, like Gregory Soto's perfect and like like he he obviously as we all know has blown several games this season um it's just as a whole in the big picture he's still closing the door and and in save situations is doing the getting the job done a lot more than he's not i don't know he he's such an anomaly and he's so weird and i still love him so much <laughs> And it's so frustrating. Oh, we'll see what happens. But like my, my analysis really is that it's just like something has to give either to the tipping one way or tipping to the other. Something has to give. And I guess we'll see which way that ends up giving in the second half of the season. Thanks for making lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. Uh, make your next listen. Locked on MLB prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Just like this one, baby. I need a haircut, dog. Golly, um, Tigers. Heck yeah. Okay, that's a win. That's five wins in a row. Let's go take another. Let's just keep on winning. You know, that'd be kind of fun. We got Scoobal versus Giolito. Giolito's fascinating because Lucas Giolito is good, but his ERA in the year is like damn near five. And it a would not surprise me if he continued to struggle just because the White Sox have had a really disappointing year, just like your Detroit Tigers. And Lucas Giolito's had a really down year, and his command has been pretty rough. Um, and his changeup that has been like one of the better pitches in all of baseball recently is not as effective again, mostly due to command, not because the changeup just sucks now. Um, so it would not surprise me if our offense stayed hot ish again. I know I just got done talking about the fact that we scored two runs and got a win, but the two games before that, and we, we've had some pretty good base runner totals. So it wouldn't surprise me if we continue to get on base and kind of hit the ball all over the yard there. Um, But it also would be – wouldn't it be super on-brand if Lucas Giolito with an almost five ERA just went out and absolutely shoved? Wouldn't that be super on-brand? I think it would be. I think it would be the most on-brand thing maybe to ever happen actually if he just went out there and went like seven innings of one run ball. That would be super on-brand to me. But we have Tarek Skubal going hopefully – he can have a nice little bounce back performance because we all know that his last five starts have been a little weak. So it'll be a good opportunity, again, against a struggling lineup to kind of take advantage there. Um, and yeah, Lucas Triolito also usually weirdly gets a lot of run support. So that'll be something like even with his almost five year I think he's over 500 on the year in pitching wins and losses. So there you go. Let's have a fun weekend. Let's keep the winning rolling. I don't want to be coming in on here Sunday talking about, oh, we won five in a row and then lost three in a row. Win the series at least. You're already up 1-0. Three games left. Now it's just a normal three-game series. Go take two of three this weekend. Okay? Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. Also, shout out the Red Wings. Shout out the Red Wings. Happy Draft Day to those who are Red Wings fans. Good draft. Good pick. You can go listen to to my thoughts over at Lockdown. Red Wings, Brian and I break it down. Um, yeah. All right. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's dope. I'll catch y'all on Sunday, baby. Go tigers.